the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, happy Wednesday and welcome back. Wednesday, January 18th, 2023. I am Seth Liebson. We have David Dahl in the house as our associate producer. We have Bill as our uh, producer executive, CEO, chairman, producer, whatever title he wants, lead producer, chief producer. And the phone number for you to call in is 602-508-0960. That's 602-508960. I was watching the the press conference today with Karen Jean Pierre and the um, and the White House uh, press pool, and there was a line in an old. It's not a great movie. I don't really recommend it. An old Al Pacino movie called Carlito's Way, and uh, he gets caught in the end by missing, not seeing. He says, "I missed that angle." He's taken down by the angle he missed, the thing you didn't see, and you know. It's continually interesting to me how far this document uh, scandal story is going. The White House press corps did not let up today. Again, I have to confess a little bit of surprise at how ardent and uh, voracious the White House press corps has been with Karen Jean-Pierre. But there, it, it, it's a self-imposed problem, really, that I don't understand why the political operation at the White House isn't dealing with. She keeps referencing that she won't answer questions on this anymore. She keeps saying she won't answer questions on this anymore and refers the White House to either the Department of Justice or the White House Counsel's Office. But if you listen to these reporters after the conferences are over, these press conferences are over, they are saying they are not getting any response from the Department of Justice or the Special Prosecutor's Office or the White House Counsel's Office. So it's almost a circular loop of silence. And that's the one thing the media, you know, as a, in addition to being lied to, that's the one thing the media doesn't like. And it seems to me that this is a really lousy political operation at the White House that they keep putting her out there. Listen, just one example of this, just just one example of what took place, I don't know, about two hours ago, a little less than two hours ago, one cha- one exchange with her and um, and one of the reporters. Thank you, Karina. I want to uh, reference an interview that President Biden did in mid-September with 60 Minutes. And in that interview, he chided former President Trump for having in his possession classified documents. He called it irresponsible. First of all, do you think it was proper for President Biden to comment on an ongoing DOJ investigation? So I'm going to say this, uh, and I'm going to keep it really short today, as it relates to this particular issue, as it relates to an ongoing uh, legal matter, I am going to refer you to Department of, Just- uh, Department of Justice with that specific as it relates to uh, anything that you want to ask of us uh, about uh, this uh, this legal matter, I would refer you to the White House Counsel uh, Office. I'm, I'm going to leave it there. 
not going to go okay. into further. And I just, I, I just commented. I just commented. We're moving on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I already answered your question. Go ahead. Well, I, I did. Well, it's your, it's your opinion. It's your opinion. It's your opinion. So a couple of things are going on there. And as David Marcus says, this is getting to the point where reporters might just want to stop showing up. There's no reason on earth she can't comment on Joe Biden's public statements. The reporter was not asking a legal question. The reporter was asking a strictly political question. The reporter was asking to remind the reporter was asking if it was regrettable that Joe Biden weighed in so heavily on the documents on six when he was interviewed on 60 Minutes, weighed in on the documents that were found at Donald Trump's residence. That's a political question, has no legal consequences whatsoever. Was it a good idea for Joe Biden to weigh in on that issue the way he did by calling it irresponsible? All he asked, she says, I'm going to refer you to the Department of Justice. This is a non sequitur. This is uh, a version of Ignorantio Elenche. She is responding to something that wasn't asked. And then when he says, she says, we're moving on. And he says, well, no, you didn't answer my question. And she says, well, I did. And he says, no, you really didn't. She says, that's your opinion. This is going to make her life harder and harder, at least as it involves standing before the press pool every day. David Marcus is absolutely right. Um, If it weren't so much fun for these reporters, probably the right thing to do would be not to show up. They're asking questions that she's not responding to. And again, as painful as it is to say this, all of this was about pretty small beer. It was about small beer when it was found at Donald Trump's (coughs) residence and, and the left and the media ratcheted it up to, you know, make it a big deal. And they overdid it and they overplayed it as they did with every little thing Donald Trump did that they are equally guilty of doing all the time. There was nothing. There was nothing that Donald Trump did in his in his in his presidency, as far as I can tell and as far as I can remember, that was breaking of norms. They invented this notion of breaking of norms. They invented it, whether it was his speech or whether it was his actions or whether it was his policies. Okay, they were Republican and they were conservative policies. Sorry, that's what happens when you elect a conservative or a Republican. You are going to get conservative and Republican policies. They created this whole intellectual edifice that he was breaking of norms and so atraditional that he was doing things unheard of. It wasn't unheard of. It it was no more unheard of than when Barack Obama was found to have had documents he took with him. There was a distinction. And it's interesting part of a column Byron York. uh, No, sorry. Mark Tiasen had today. You know, some of those documents that were found at Donald Trump's house were literally declassified by Donald Trump. Perhaps not all of them, but some of them literally were. That is to say, he declassified some of them when he was the president by giving them to reporters. In one case, it had to do with conversations he had with uh, Robert Woodward over North Korea when he was president. When the president wants to declassify, he can. There is no statutory um, no, statu- no, no statutory regulation he has to go through, no permission he has to get. It is solely and completely the plenary power of the president to do that. So some of those were already declassified. As vice president, Joe Biden did not have any role in declassifying any of the documents that have been found. So they have all been still at the top secret classified level. 
Again, it happens. I don't know if it was a nefarious act here or not. I don't know if there was a scandal here or not. I don't know. None of us do. But again, a few documents here and there. The reason this is a scandal is they won't tell us the truth about it. There is an additional dollop to this, though. And it has to do with the nature of what these documents are about and the countries that it seems that it was reported these documents are discussing. And when you have Hunter Biden lurking in and out of the residence, when you have Hunter Biden's uh, income uh, dependent on some of these countries that are involved here, particularly Ukraine and China, and when you have China paying so much money into the institute where some of these documents were found, you do now have an additional set of concerns that need to be investigated. What's interesting is that's not what the press is asking about, and there's a tell for you right there as to how fast I think this now may go away. We'll see. We'll see. But they need to figure this out as a political matter. They probably need to have someone other than Karin Jean-Pierre doing this job. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. It's the same problem they have with Kamala Harris. They have made such an issue of Karin Jean-Pierre's intersectionality as they did with Kamala Harris's race and gender that, in, to remind, Karin Jean-Pierre was celebrated and hailed because she is the first minority and um, term of art lesbian, I guess, gay um, press secretary. They have elevated her to that status. They are now going to be hoist on their own petard if they try and remove her, just as they did with Kamala Harris by saying she was breaking all kinds of ceilings and all young girls can now look up and say, I can be a vice president of the United States, too, if I'm a if I'm a person of color or if I am a woman. And then it turns out that just being a person of color or having a different gender doesn't really necessarily qualify you for the job which is the bigger problem with all of the affirmative action discussion we've been having for the past 40 years. But this is the problem of the Democrats' own making. So I don't know how they're going to get out of it. Either she needs to take lessons on how to do this job right, either the political office needs to give her better answers, either the White House Counsel's Office has to start returning calls or the Department of Justice has to start returning calls. But if they keep going the way they're going, this small beer will end up probably as consequential as Watergate. I'd love your thoughts. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is what I was thinking of from Byron York's reporting today, and this is a good question that he raises. Whatever happened to the Trump classified documents damage assessment. Is anyone asking that question? It was big news at the time. Shortly after the August FBI raid to seize classified documents documents at Mar-a-Lago, the winter home of former President Donald Trump, Democrats in Congress asked the intelligence community to do a damage assessment. In a letter to the Director of National Intelligence, Avril Haines, House Intelligence, then House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff and Oversight Committee Chairwoman Carolyn Maloney cited news reports about the classification levels of the documents, including one sensational Washington Post story that Trump held documents concerning nuclear weapons. 
Quote, at least one report indicates that the FBI's investigation focused in part on highly classified documents relating to nuclear weapons, which are among our nation's most closely guarded secrets, they wrote. Quote, if this report is true, it is hard to overstate the national security danger that could emanate from the reckless decision to remove and retain this material. In response, the head of national intelligence, Haynes, wrote that she would begin, quote, an assessment of the potential risk to national security that would result from the disclosure of the relevant documents, close quote. Those letters set off, obviously as designed, a wave of news coverage. The media and the national security apparatus working hand in glove, of course, with the House Democrat leadership. The whole idea of a damage assessment, of course, presumed that there was, in fact, damage done or potential damage to be done by Trump's handling of classified material. That was not known by the public at the time and is still not known today. But such nuance was mostly lost in the hysterical discussion of the Schiff-Maloney letter. Quote, I can't even imagine how much damage this could have done, said Frank Figliusi, a former FBI official who was regular guest on MSNBC. Quote, everyone understandably is focused on crime, crime, crime. I'm focused on damage. Who did he show it to? The FBI had probable cause to believe that espionage was occurring, close quote. There was a lot of talk like that. The upshot was that it was critically important for Congress and the people to know the harm to national security done by Trump's mishandling of classified information. But here's the thing. The intelligence community has never delivered its damage assessment of the Trump Mar-a-Lago documents affair. Lawmakers who today would like to know if any damage was done by President Joe Biden's mishandling of classified documents are remembering that they never heard anything about possible damage in the Trump matter. We have not been briefed on the Trump matter, said one member of the House Intelligence Committee in a recent text exchange. We didn't get an answer, said another member. The committee has not received a briefing on Mar-a-Lago, said yet another person familiar with the issue. On the Senate side, a member of the Intelligence Committee said, quote, I don't think we ever got an assessment. Close quote. Last week, the Democratic chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee also said his panel had never been informed about any intelligence community damage assessment of the Trump matter. Quote, I've, call, I've called that we ought to be briefed in terms of an intelligence assessment on what were the, in these documents that the vice, then Vice President Biden had, Chairman Mark Warner said on Fox News. I'm still waiting, though, on the briefing from the Mar-a-Lago documents. Warner went on to explain that, quote, there have been some scheduling issues. There have been concerns when the special counsel got involved. But the bottom line was there's been no word on whatever damage assessment, if any, the intelligence community performed. Why not? Why not? Some sources believe the intelligence community did conduct an assessment, but did not find any serious damage done by Trump's actions. Count me in that category. Quote, if there had been something significant, it would have been briefed and leaked by now, said one source. It's exactly right. Warner appears at least suspect that the intelligence community is giving Congress the runaround, and another source suggested the intelligence community holds its congressional overseers in such low regard that it simply feels lawmakers have no need to know the facts. We've come a long way from the days of frenzied speculation in August of 2022 when the news was that the nation's intelligence mavens would conduct a damage assessment of the Mar-a-Lago situation. Now with the benefits of mon- benefit of months of experience in high sight, we still know nothing. And I think we know nothing because probably there's very little to know. 
Probably very little to know. Probably most of this stuff goes in the category of what a lot of people have been writing about and what we've talked about a little bit here, which is we overclassify almost everything. We tend to overclassify almost everything. It's funny, too. You know, the crocodile tears used for political purposes on the Trump documents that were uh, spread by CNN and The New York Times and the press, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, because when we do have, when we have had, when we did have classified intelligence that was material, that was wartime, that was protecting sources, that was protecting methods, that was protecting allies, the Washington Post and the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal had no problem disclosing that stuff when President Bush was president. George W. Bush during the Iraq war. The whole reason, do you remember the name Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, one of the masterminds of 9-11? The whole reason he is in Guantanamo Bay is because we outed a, an ally who was holding him abroad in what was known as a secret prison at the time through a leaked classified document when Bush was president that the Washington Post ran with of the Washington Post and James Lichtblau of the New York Times, and they got Pulitzers for it. So, you know, it struck me as so much crocodile tears, as I say, when it was found that Donald Trump, a former president, was holding on to classified material that he wasn't sending to the press, that he wasn't disclosing. And the fact that the national assessment, intelligence assessment that Byron York is writing about was never, uh, was never delivered tells me that there's probably nothing there. There's probably nothing there. It was and hoist on the own on their own petard category yet again. And if they haven't so if they didn't so overdo it in August and September with Mar-a-Lago and if Joe Biden didn't weigh in on 60 minutes as how shocked he was to see it and how irresponsible he thought it was of Trump, this would not be a story today with Biden. Probably it probably wouldn't be. You know what the conclusion to all this is? It's not Trump that broke norms. It's that the media and the Democrats broke norms again and again and again. The norm busting was if it can damage the Republican presidency or our war efforts in Iraq, we will expose classified wartime national security intelligence and we will get Pulitzers for doing so. If it can hurt Donald Trump in any way, shape, or form over, over much smaller things, much smaller things, we will do what we can to weaponize it into a political issue that will hurt the Republicans in a midterm. And Joe Biden walked right into it, walked right into it. Think about the classified intelligence the Post and the New York Times had no problem disclosing, where some of the worst terrorists were being held by our allies, exposing our allies to dangers. Or the terrorist financial plans, the anti-terrorism financial plans that the Treasury Department was using to track down al-Qaeda. That's what was blown happily by The Washington Post and The New York Times. They were the norm busters, not Trump. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. John Dombrowski from Grand Canyon Planning Associates joins us with our culture and economy update. Grand Canyon Planning Associates website is grandcanyonplanning.com. John is a radio host in his own right as well. Every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. on this Bat Channel, you can hear his show, The Word on Wealth. John, how are you today? 
Fantastic, Seth. Thank you so much. You betcha. All right, we we have we, you had you had updated us on Monday that we would be getting some interesting um, and telling data on mm-hmm. a few things this week. Uh, one of the things that came in and looks like it may have had a, 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 a pretty big impact on the market today was the producer price increases. Tell yeah. us about what that is and what they reported. So we had the uh, last week. We had the consumer price. Um, Index, which yep. gives us uh, the cost to the consumer, but this is the producer price index, which gives us the cost to the producers or the manufacturers' uh, cost of goods. And there was actually, it was more of, I believe, a, uh, a positive report. Uh, and initially, the markets did react positively to it, but for some reason, they did turn negative uh, as the day continued. But we did see uh, the producers' price index uh, rising 6.2% in December from a year earlier. However, that is the slowest annual pace since March of 2021. So we've been on a continuing uh, downslide on the uh, increases, which coincides with the consumer price index, which reported last week uh, rising 6.5% in December, which is the sixth straight month of deceleration. So the positive there is, is that obviously if costs are going down to the producers, Ultimately, the costs should be coming down to the consumers So as CPI well. would be a lagging indicator of the producer's index. Yes, and it kind of goes hand in hand, mm-hmm. right? Because if people are spending money, then they're creating demand. Uh, and in that case, it could cause uh, rising prices. And both go into the issue of inflation, right? Yes, both go into both, the toe. Yes, it's an, it's an indicator right. uh, for inflation. And it is telling us that things are slowing down. Now, on the other side of that, too, we had another announcement uh, majority of these big tech companies. Oh yes, the Microsoft, Amazon yep. reports. Yeah, tell us about Amazon that. Laying yeah. off additional, um, you know, employees. They had uh, over the past twelve months had, uh, you know, eliminated about sixty thousand jobs over mm-hmm. the last year, uh, but now an additional cut of about ten thousand employees from Microsoft, from what they said today, will occur, as well as Amazon now uh, eliminating another eighteen thousand employees, which is one of the largest workforce reductions uh, for any of the uh, e-retailers, it says here, uh, over time, and the largest for Amazon. So, again, Fed wants to slow down the economy. They knew that it would create uh, cuts in jobs and potentially higher unemployment levels, and we're starting to see that. So these are all things that I think have been expected. Uh, It's happening. And from what we're hearing, the news out there is it's very possible, again, Seth, that we're not going to have any type of a deep recession, but it's you know still the possibility of a softer uh, recession and possibly not even having a full-blown recession. Yeah, uh, that that's hearing. right. And 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 it wasn't just uh, those companies in the tech sector, no. by the way. Uh, Facebook's uh, parent, which is uh, Meta, Meta yes. right? They mm-hmm. they did a significant cut. Uh, I believe uh, some crypto uh, sites also. No surprise there, Twitter, given the way that's Shopify, turned out. Netflix, yeah, yeah they're, they're Coinbase all participating uh, in this. But also Tesla did as mm-hmm. well. I see, right? Yes. Tesla also cut about six thousand. Correct jobs, and but Tesla also did recently cut the price of their vehicles too. I don't know if you did notice that. I didn't. Yeah, I so didn't. They had a major so what are they starting at now? Cut. Half a million or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the fifty, forty, forty thousand dollar range. But okay. what they did is they cut the price of the vehicles because they wanted to have these vehicles qualify for tax right. breaks. Right. So uh, one of the new um, 
laws in place is if vehicles are over a certain amount of money, they right. won't qualify for a tax break. Right. So the benefit there, Tesla is the leader in uh, electric vehicles, and they have the uh, flexibility and the revenue to cut prices like this, where a lot of the other smaller uh, new entries into the electric vehicle market do not have that price power. Exactly right. Tesla does. So Tesla does. Uh, it's still the leader in the industry and uh, probably will be for some time, even though there's are others out there that are certainly chasing them and eventually may catch up. Yeah, yeah. All right. Good report, John. Thank you very much, sir. You bet. Securities and advisory services are with the Creative One Securities LLC, a member of Fenrin Sipic and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Plenty Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC, and not, not affiliated. And uh, have a great weekend, everyone. You too, brother. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon. Yes. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. At at this time, every week, we check in with uh, Brett Johnson, who is a partner with the law firm of Snell & Wilmer, based here in Phoenix, offices around the country, swlaw.com. Brett is a constitutional and election law Expert. Brett, how are you, sir? Good. How are you, Seth? They calling you to point you to be a special prosecutor or a special counsel in Washington, D.C.? Yeah, you would be an ideal one, by the way. You would be ideal. I appreciate that, Seth. Hey, if they if they ever called, I'd probably consider it. But yeah. we'll, we would have to see. <laughs> this this guy that I mean, you you have the exact the exact credentials to do it. The guy they did, this guy Her, he's uh, Bob Her, Robert Her. He's he's pretty pretty well credentialed, uh, and and he'll probably do a good job. He was a Trump appointee to the U.S. Attorney's Office, and uh, I think he was a clerk to William Rehnquist, if I'm not mistaken. Is this going to taint uh, the rest of the presidency like uh, special counsels tend to do or whatever they call them these days? You know, I, I, it, it's going to be interesting. It's, it's going to be really important to see how, how fast it, it goes. The, where it, I, I see the biggest issue is in regard to the other special counsel, Jack Smith, yeah. who is investigating the same issues in regard to President Trump. Right. So if there is any type of inconsistency between what the special prosecutors um, are doing, and and they have full latitude. Right. So you know, one one prosecutor does not need to look over at the other prosecutor right. and say, "Hey, they've done this." They yeah. are not bound by that at all. Yeah. So I think that that's going to be the biggest issue, and especially if uh, if the new special prosecutor um, is determined is deemed to be going light on um, on President Biden. Um, now, again, the oversight of this, the traditional oversight of this, by the way, because this has gone, the whole special prosecutor statute has gone through multiple renditions. Yeah. But it used to be, you know, very subject to the oversight of Congress. Right. And don't get me wrong, they, they still have, the Congress still has the right to oversee the Department of Justice and therefore some of the special prosecutor duties and, and can call them. You saw this with President, or with uh, Director Mueller when he was a special right. prosecutor investigating yeah. stuff. So what's going to be interesting, though, is, is that you have a, a House that's controlled by the Republicans, and you have the Senate that's uh, controlled by the Democrats. And in theory, you could have... Uh, you could have three could or have four investigations, con- couldn't you? That's, well, you'd have that, too, yeah. that, that would, could be conflicting with each other other, but you could have um, that them all basically asking the same questions mm-hmm. differently, but using the same language as the other party, depending on who they're questioning. So it's, it is going to get confusing more than anything, in my opinion. Well, I want to circle back on that in a moment, but let me go to the merits of what's b- being claimed to be investigated, the crimes that are being alleged and investigated. 
am I wrong? Maybe I am. But I've been saying my sense of these things is they tended to be fairly small beer that an ex-president or an ex-vice president would be found to have some of these documents in their possession. Um, it can be a big thing, but it tends to be, I, I thought, it tended to be not that big of a deal, except for the fact that the media and the left made such a big deal of it with Mar-a-Lago. They ratcheted it up, something that you know, might have been a level one to a level, you know, uh, uh, atomic war. But you yeah. straighten me out. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe these well, are big I, deals. I'll, I'll say I'll say the difference between spilt milk and um, atomic war. Okay. Right? Okay. So if, if it's spilt milk, which is hey, as, as when you're you're moving out of the the naval observatory and um, you know records, it's kind of a flurry of activity. There's a lot of things going on, and records accidentally get put into a box and then are found later on. That's probably spilt milk, and and probably not necessarily tied to at the time the vice president. It's going to be tied to the other folks who were responsible for taking care of those records. In regard to what the allegations are against President Trump, and completely agree, agree with you that it has been sensationalized by the, by the media, so we don't really know the true facts per se. Eventually, hopefully, they'll come out. Um, but that there may have been an, an intentional keeping of certain records that, um, that were in classified or otherwise considered a confidential or secret. So that is going to be kind of the mix and kind of what we call the mens rea, you know, the knowledge, the intent um, as to whether or not a, a law was actually broken here and by who. Yeah. Um, because in regard to President Trump, the target clearly has been on him versus aides or underlings or lawyers. In regard to President Biden, it has been the reverse. It, it really hasn't been that connection between President Biden and the records, which we don't know what they are, of course, um, as to whether or not there's truly that linkage um, to him. Brett, um, let me ask you this. And again, maybe I'm wrong and you straighten me out. I was saying this yesterday and I thought I'd double check myself with you. If a direct question does get to Joe Biden and he wants to say, I can't answer that because that's under investigation by the special counsel, um, that's actually not true, right? I mean, his attorneys may say, keep your mouth shut, but he can, he can, he can legally answer these questions, can't he? It depends. Okay. Uh, I love the lawyer answer. Yeah. And it matters what vehicle the government is going to be doing this under. So, for example, if the new special prosecutor were to impanel a grand jury, okay, and the grand jury then would issue a subpoena to President Biden directly, and it could be in the context of interrogatories, which is basically written questions sure. that need answers. In theory, then, um, as part of the grand jury subpoena, it specifically says you can't talk about this. Okay. 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 Um, and then he would be uh, potentially in violation of, of other laws okay. for violating the grand jury secrecy. Okay. But that would be very rare for a sitting president. Yeah. So the excuse just really won't fly. And especially once you've started talking about it, yeah. it's much harder to come back after the fact and say, I no longer have the ability yeah. to talk to you. What else are you seeing here that we should know about that's kind of interesting to you? Well, I, I do think that there. It, it, what's going to be very interesting is um, is is the the back end of this, right? Mm -hmm. Because no matter what, if if there's one prosecution that happens, even if it's not of each of either former President Trump or President Biden, but it deals with they're directed at their underlings or aides, yeah. etc. Yeah. And and one special prosecutor says no, and the other special prosecutor says yes, yeah. it, you're going to have a fight on what we call unequal enforcement, no matter what. What's interesting though, is that President Biden's legal team 
um, has 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 two issues for them. Some of the tools now are taken off the table. So if you remember, I was one of the first people to talk to you when we brought up special master. Yep. And then lo and behold, two weeks later, they moved for a special yep. master. Well, that didn't really work out very well. No. And President Biden at the time, you know, chagrined that. So that that's going to be off the table. And he might have wanted something like that to keep it kind of confidential. Mm-hmm. The other issue which we're seeing here is the National Archives, which is the holder of all of these right. records, are supposed to be. Right. They were very aggressive towards um, former President right, Trump. Right. And in this context, they're saying, oh, we can't do anything because we have to get guidance from the Department yeah. of Justice. Yeah. Well, the Department of Justice just declared a conflict. Yeah. So maybe a new council will be appointed oh, for the well. National Archives. I don't know. But the unequal treatment, I think, is going to be the biggest issue going forward. If, if, I were, if I had the power to be, I would have just had one special prosecutor. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, good work. Everybody's being treated equally. We're doing everything applicable. I could go into court and explain why I treat this person differently than that one. I don't have to care about the guy down the hall. Yeah, yeah. You and I are betraying the fact that we haven't been in Washington in a while, though, to under to think that way. <laughs> <laughs> and, and nor do I want to. <laughs> Unless they appoint you a special prosecutor, which I would, special prosecutor. I would argue oh, for. I- I'm gonna I'm gonna pull you know uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have it in Malibu like okay. uh, like Ken Starr. Yeah yeah yeah. Why not? I mean, if you can, yeah. yeah why not? Um, can I can I be your assistant? Can I you bet. dust off the old law degree and, and and do your research? Brett Johnson from Snell and Wilmer SWLaw.com. Always a pleasure, sir. Always enlightening. Thank you very much. Thank you. You betcha. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Coming in with uh, a little song called Misty. Not a little song. It's actually a big one. It's a jazz standard. Uh, Every trumpet player learns how to play it at some point. We're coming in because, David, you just saw for the first time a 1971 Clint Eastwood movie called Play Misty for me, correct? Yes, sir. Uh, That's an old Errol Garner song from the 50s. Uh, I I, I used to play it. It's it's been around a lot. Magnum P.I., Tom Selleck plays it on a saxophone in an early episode of uh, Magnum P.I. How do you rate the movie? Scale of 1 to 10. I would give it a solid 8. You you would give it a solid 8? Dirty Hera era Clint Eastwood. Yeah, and it takes place in the city in which he later became mayor, right? Yes. And a great cast. Great cat. Donna Mills plays his girlfriend. That's right. And he plays a great profession, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, he's a radio man. Just he's like a talk Andrew. radio host, yeah. It's a scary movie, though, in its own way. Definitely more of a 70s-era fla- uh, slasher. Yeah, yeah. But Clint Eastwood is the definition of a good movie, isn't he? Has he ever made a movie that wasn't good at a minimum? <laughs> well, there was that one with the monkey. That was a great movie! Those were great any which way you can and every which way but loose. We need every which way but loose as a bumper music, by the way. All right. Um, and then historically, you've got an Adelaide Stevenson pin on today, huh? That's right. All the way with Adelaide. 1952 Adelaide. or six? He ran twice for the Democratic nomination. I think that's probably 52. Uh, could be. 1952. I think it's 52, yeah. He is twice run for president, and his governorship of Illinois was not the most important thing that will go down in memory about him, but rather as serving as uh, the U.N. ambassador under JFK, where he had that uh, showdown over the Cuban Missile Crisis. He famously yelled at the Soviet um, 
at the Soviet representative, I'm prepared for, to wait for my answer until hell freezes over. One of the two good Democratic ambassadors to the U.N., him and Patrick Moynihan, they distinguished themselves there. All right. Am I in break? I'm in break. <laughs> We're going to break. <laughs> okay. I am Seth Liebson. As we go to break, let me put in a word for why refi. If you can invest in a portfolio, want to invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that is not correlated to the stock market, where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal, if you need your money back at any time, check why refi out. Invest yrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or call them at 888. Why refi 34? Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 